Welcome and thank you for listening to the Pemi Valley Podcast. This is Episode 7, Season 2, released on the third Wednesday of March 2021. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I am your host, John Saunders. Last couple of weeks, we've had interesting turns with the weather. Days in the 40s and 50s, then plummeting to single digits and wind chill well below zero. And then it would repeat. So everything is normal in the White Mountains for March. With it being March, daylight savings has begun. I know some people don't like the lack of light in the morning, but I love it. Afternoon skiing or hiking is that much better. On to skiing and riding, Cannon and Loon are still open and you should get out there as we have limited time before they close. At the time of this recording, Cannon has 68 trails and 7 lifts operating with machine-groomed, loose granular and variable surface conditions and Loon has 46 trails and 7 lifts with machine-groomed and frozen granular surface conditions. For hikers, trail conditions as you can imagine are a mixed bag. Ice, packed snow, snow drifts, crusted snow, monorail, post holes, boo, post holes. From recent reports, water crossings are bridged, and yes, snowshoes and microspikes will be needed. Looking forward at the 5,000-foot level, Friday daytime temperatures will be in the teens under partly sunny skies, and winds around 30 miles per hour will push windchill values to minus 8. Saturday will be sunny and temperatures rise into the mid-20s with winds 20 to 30 miles per hour, and Sunday, clear and temperatures in the mid-30s. Not a bad-looking weekend at all with the proper equipment. And with the clear skies, make sure to look west at nighttime for the waxing crescent moon. Always check the Higher Summits forecast before heading up, and the place to do that is the Mount Washington Weather Observatory, and you can find them at mountwashington.org. This week's guest is Dave Rondinone. Dave researches, seeks out, and explores abandoned underground mines in New Hampshire. There's a Facebook page called Abandoned New Hampshire where I saw one of his posts, and he had a video of an abandoned silver mine in Woodstock, New Hampshire, just up the road from my house. After watching it, I had to get him on the podcast. If you're into New Hampshire history, you're going to love this talk. To all the listeners of the Pemi Valley Podcast and beyond, Support local businesses who provide to locals and visitors alike in the Pemigewasset Valley. Wayne's Market in North Woodstock. Wayne's features a full-service deli with hot and cold sandwiches made to order, a butcher shop, and the largest beer selection in northern New Hampshire. Rogers Ski and Sport in Lincoln, where their mission is to make your next day on the mountain your best day on the mountain. Dave Rondinone, right after this. Pemi Valley Podcast is supported by Boncliffe Bug Protection, the all-natural bug repellent produced in the White Mountains for all who work and play in the outdoors. Boncliffe Bug Protection is available at Lahoots and Rogers Ski and Sport in Lincoln, New Hampshire, or purchase right from our Facebook page. Our guest today has a terrific and fascinating pastime. He searches for and explores abandoned underground mines in New Hampshire. New Hampshire is well known in its past for logging, logging railroads, hospitality, and papermaking, but there is also a long and rich, 
no pun intended, history of mining. And some of what's extracted will be gold, silver, amethyst, and coal, among others. About a month ago, my friend Joseph Kennett suggested I like a Facebook page called Forgotten New Hampshire, which followers of the page post pictures and stories of forgotten and abandoned places in the Granite State. I joined, of course, and I really enjoyed reading the post. And then a particular post had to do with an abandoned mine just up the street from my house, a silver mine that I had heard of but had no idea that the tunnel was about 150 feet long. The man who posted made a video and took us into the mine for a tour, which was so much fun to watch if you're into those things. The man's name is Dave Rondinone and has a YouTube channel which features over 30 underground explorations of abandoned mines in New Hampshire. And he is joining us for this week's podcast to talk about his adventures. Dave, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, John. I appreciate you having me on your program. I'm glad you took some time to join us. And uh, it's funny when my friend Joseph uh, suggested that Facebook page for me to uh, follow, and I just landed on yours, and that just took me right in. I'm like, and I... For all the people, for all the people listening right now, I don't know Dave. We just met. I sent him a message. I'm like, hey, here's one of my podcasts. Would you please join? Come on and just talk about how you got into this and like how you research and how you find these mines. And it just seems like a lot of fun. So why don't we start there? We did a little bit of talking before the recording, and you said you only got into this about five years ago. So let's start where that where that interest began. Sure. Uh, so, and, and I actually did some, uh, some quick math before um, joining you tonight, and because I didn't even know the exact numbers, uh, I have found, uh, located 84 mines in New Hampshire that are, um, at one point, were classified as underground mines. Um, about 24 of them are either flooded or blocked or otherwise uh, inaccessible, and the rest have uh, some sort of an underground portion to them, whether it's a, a short 10-foot uh, tunnel uh, to some of them that have 400 or 500 feet of underground network. Um, so I got into this. Now, I, I grew up, uh, I guess if I go back to the very beginning, it would be the, uh, in my early 20s, and I was living in an apartment where across the river was an old mill complex. And as part of that, there was some underground uh, portions of that mill. And, you know, as a young guy and, and with my buddies, it was just a fun place that we used to like to uh, go and hang out. So that led to uh, at one point thinking, geez, you know, I wonder what other underground stuff we can find. And so we said, well, let's, you know, look into caves in New Hampshire. Um, this is uh, early 90s, is before the internet. And so I, I remember one time I was with my, uh, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, and I said, you know, let's go in, uh, you know, go to the library and we'll just see what we can find for research. And I, I live in Dover and they really, you know, uh, we said, let's go, what's the biggest library around? And it was UNH. So I said, well, let's, you know, let's go down to UNH. And I remember you thinking, oh, can we just go in there? We're not students. I said, well, we look like students. Let's just go. And I found a, um, somewhere in there, I found a pamphlet, probably like a 16 page. And it had, uh, it listed um, a couple dozen mines in New Hampshire. And uh, for many of them, it had just little hand-drawn maps on how to get there. So 
uh, I photocopied that and uh, I still have it to this day. And that was, uh, uh, and, and again, this is still back in the 90s. And so we picked off a few on a list and we found one um, that was actually uh, quite extensive. And then that became some place that we probably went up there, me and my friends, several times over the summer and explored it. And that was that. Um, then it just kind of, you know, you, you have kids and you get married and then you don't have time for that foolishness on the weekends. But uh, about five years ago, I had, um, I used to be uh, pretty much, you know, kind of into running. And then uh, um, at some point, I, I'm 50 years old and I got the hip of an 80 year old, I figured out. So I uh, couldn't run anymore. And I said, well, I'm going to, you know, I'll get into mountain biking and hiking. So I start doing these different activities. Hiking led to, geez, I'm going to go and find this old spot that we used to go up to. And, and that just kind of, at that point, um, reignited where, boy, I'd like, uh, you know, I'd like to find more of these. And then you have the internet and you have more resources. Um, I, I, and from there, I really began over the, uh, you know, the last five years, just this, uh, what has become a, uh, a hobby that's almost become an obsession as finding as many of these as I can. And uh, that's where I'm at now. Um, I, I, on most weekends, I have a trip, you know, I plan a trip. Uh, I go out with a few friends. I have about four or five uh, good friends that go out with me on occasion. And we go out and do a lot of bushwhacking, uh, do a lot of wandering through the woods and follow as many clues as we've come up with and see if we can locate a new one uh, each weekend. That's wild. It's, it, now, as you said, every, every weekend you have something planned and you go out to, to find it. And again, I, I, as, I, as we did talk a bit before the, uh, we started to record, you know, of course, there's so much other histories in the state of New Hampshire. You just don't think about mining or maybe, maybe I just missed something, you know, for, for a while. But there's, they're everywhere. And you're, you've gone up and down the state. And, you know, especially now if we focus a little bit more on the, uh, of the White Mountains, for instance, some of these mines are well over 100 years old. Some are successful, some are not. And you're finding them one by one. You know, as we, as you're saying, like, you know, especially now using the internet, that there is so many things that are out there that can help you. Have you had any issues with uh, permission, let's say, or like gaining access? A lot of these mines, are they on public property or are they on private? Right. So, and, and that is a little bit of a limitation um, because I'm just, uh, you know, some guy that's not affiliated with anything. But um, what, so what I focus on are a couple of things. One, uh, there are many that are just on um, like uh, Iron Mountain and, and, and Tin Mountain, conservation areas um, that, uh, yeah, you, you just go in a whole mountain is, is wide open. Uh, but a lot of them, if I had to really pick where I get most of them from, is I use uh, snowmobile routes. And what I've found is they lead you into some really uh, obscure or out of the beaten path, off the beaten path places. And I use that as a lot of my uh, launching points for, okay, going out there, I know I'm allowed to be out there. And then, um, hitting the woods and looking from there if, uh, you know, to get me as close as I can. Mm -hmm. um, there are instances where, um, for instance, uh, I, I think you saw one of the videos, it was the Uhas mines. So we went, uh, me and my buddy, we went up there and the um, property owner who lives there, we uh, ended up talking to her and said, geez, we want to go see the mines. And, and she says, oh, you can park in my driveway. So 
that, that was wonderful. And then we went out and, you know, and had a great day out there. We saw the mines, uh, came back. I, I didn't, my buddy had talked to her. I never saw her. I was uh, not there yet. Um, so I, I, I put a $10 bill under her windshield and uh, a <laughs> little note that said, thank you. Well, that was nice to do. That was to see that could anybody else who's interested and who just wants to explore the mine, not exploited in any means. You know, see, now that was a nice thing to do. That was good. I'm glad you did that. Yeah, and, yeah it felt good. And and um, something that where you that you can't that you possibly could see with the, with abandoned mines. You know, here in the East Coast, out in the West Coast, when you get into the mines, what has been maybe the coolest thing you've found? Like that could be a tool, that could be a railroad track, hoses, pipes. What is it? Right. So we find um, we find a lot of tracks, and by a lot, probably twenty percent of the mines we go into, you'll see the old rails, and um, and that's a lot of fun. One of the things I really like is when you see the old equipment that was used for um, maybe hauling a cart or pumping a mine. Mm -hmm. um, in several instances, what we found is um, old vehicles old trucks so kind of like when you um you know you go to a, one of these small skiing hills and, and they might have a truck at the top that pulls the rope and it's just you know it's done up and it's and and, and it works it's just hooked up to run the engine and uh, move that rope so we were out at uh, ruby mine and there was an old uh, the, the remnants of an old vehicle out there and then attached to that engine at one point, it, which is still out there, is a big spool of wire. That wire fed through the cut going into the mine, and then you can see the tracks that led into the mine. Uh, we actually found one of the carts, the ore carts, inside the mine. And so um, looking at that and, and piecing together what we believe is that the, they had this truck, they hooked it up so that the engine ran and, and spun and, and pulled this wire, hooked the wire up to the ore cart, and then drag it all the way out of the mine using the the truck's uh engine power that's it's it's a lot of ingenuity when you think about how old you yeah. were just discussing like you know some of these mines are well over 100 years old or and under 100 years old get, pulling that truck in there getting the engine in there getting all the equipment i mean i-93 wasn't here you had to get everything shipped in i'm going to assume depending where you were in the white mountains like you know by the railroad and that's had some tough men and women back then to say, okay, here we are. It's always kind of boggled my mind how you had a lot of these explorers, where they were going to start extracting X mineral. Like, what did they find at first? Like, to have this tremendous risk. It was risky enough here in the Northeast. Now I think about when they went out West, but I say it's, that's the thing about mining that's always fascinated me is the amount of research or really there wasn't a lot to research maybe in 1885 when they were here in the white mountains but they had a couple of clues that x mineral was in the ground here so we're just going to start hauling away and um you know with that said with that said some of these mines you know obviously a lot of research you had to put in a lot of research to find the mines do you know some of the history with the mine like um how successful they were what they extracted um yeah, so there's a, um, I've got my hands on a couple of good uh, old publications, old geological surveys for New Hampshire, and uh, most of the mines I can at least find some info on, and uh, to give an idea of, yes, this was successful, or how many times it changed hands, um, who owned the leasing rights, 
uh, General Electric actually owned a lot of uh, leasing rights for mines throughout New Hampshire. And so, yeah, to answer that question, um, most of the mines I've been to, I know at least a little bit of the history, how long it operated, what they were looking for, and, um, and, and, may, and who ran it. Oh, very cool. That's uh, you ever going to like maybe um, put together like a compile, like let's say a movie or a video. And so in other words, like it's cool, like your videos, we'll talk about, um, make sure the listeners know where to go find your videos uh, at, at the end. But it would be kind of neat too, where your videos are really cool, where you're giving us a nice tour. And just to maybe talk about like, oh, they extracted XYZ pounds of, I don't know how you explain it, you know, of gold right. or silver from this. And um, that's, that's neat. I had no idea that General Electric had the rights to the majority of the mines in New Hampshire. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if I'd say majority, but quite a few. Okay. A surprising okay. number uh, to me. It was a surprising number, and, um, and and yeah, you're right. I uh, you know I always call myself I'm an explorer. I'm not a historian. I'm not anybody mm-hmm. who even knows a lot about. I can identify you know mica, feldspar, some of the uh, the basics. Uh, but that's as far as I go. I have a couple friends who really know um, one who runs a, um, a uh, like a traveling rock museum here in New Hampshire and uh, another one who's uh, just, you know, done a lot of as much as I like research in these old mines. He likes researching um, the, the rocks and the geology aspect of them. Uh, so, yeah, something like that, a, a collaborative thing where I talk about what I've found out there and they talk about the, uh, the specifics of the mine. It could be a lot of fun. I think that would be really neat. That would, be, that would give anybody, the viewers, kind of, you know, a more full. It's like, it's great to be in that mine. It's like, this, this is really here in New Hampshire. And then just to figure out, this is what they were looking for. Um, that's one thing. I really wish I was more knowledgeable with the rocks that are out there because there's so many different gems and minerals that people from all over come here to find, to like try to, you know, yeah. rock out and go out and look for. A- absolutely. And most of the mines I've been to, I've been to some and I think, geez, boy, I'm, I'm a mile and a half in the middle of nowhere. And then you get out there and sure enough, you got, you know, you can see where people have been rock hounding and chipping them. And so th- they, they get out there. They, oh, they know where to look for them. They do. And you're up in the, on near the cliffs or you're starting getting the, getting close to the cliffs in Franconia Notch. It, you will. It'll just out of the corner of your eye. You're like someone has been banging on the rock over there, and you go over and you find maybe some remnants or some like chips of like smoky quartz or something like that. It's like wow, they're all over. So just like the rock climbers or anybody trying the boulder, you have those rock hounds exploring, you know where they could extract some of these, um, extract something, whatever they're looking they for. They sure do. And now some of these mines, you know, once people were done taking out what they were going to be taking out. Uh, it's been it's been good because it's become a habitat in some of these mines, like the the old lead mine. Of course, I'm forgetting the name of the mine right now. It's in Gorham. Sounds like mascot. Yes, mascot. It is mascot. Now it's become a, a habitat for bats. So they basically yes. have they've um, put up iron bars so people cannot get in there. There's a couple of vent shafts that I think some bears have gotten into, um, but for the most part, the the bats can live there. I know they had that disease that almost wiped them all out, but I guess slowly but surely they're coming back. So now, of course, so these mines, they get kind of deep. They can, you know, the tunnels can be 40 feet, a couple of hundred feet deep. What surprises have you ever had with an animal in some of these mines? So I haven't um, run into any bears inside of a mine. I have seen them 
Yes, I have uh, come across bears, but from enough of a distance where I was, I could comfortably take a few pictures and mm-hmm. and not bother them. Um, the the first, let's see, the first time I came across an animal in a mine. So I was with one of my friends. We were going through. It's called the Valencia Mine. Now, luckily, this was in the days before. Um, video when I was just doing it for my blog, but not for on video because I was in the lead and I came up and just like up and over a little bend in the tunnel and there was two porcupines right there. And that was my first time in in close quarters coming across them. So I I might, whether or not I yelped, we don't know because there's no video. (laughs) But so the, 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 right. So the uh, friend I was with, John, he says, um, he says, oh, no, they're, they're fine. He says, uh, he says so, and, and so we stopped, and they, sure enough, and, and what I've learned, because I've now come across them several times, is porcupines are, are the most relaxed uh, animal, and we took their pictures, and then they, they slowly just kind of walked, and we followed them and took more pictures, and never once did they um, act like they would have, you know, gotten aggressive or scared or anything like that. And uh, so that was my first encounter um, with an animal inside of mine. That's not too bad. That's no. not, you know, it scared you at first, but then again, your buddy was like, no, they're absolutely fine. Okay, that's, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I, I just remember seeing a picture of a guy. Uh, it wasn't a mine, but it was, it was a cave, and he was crawling. And I know it was, it was in New Hampshire, because, and as he's crawling, very close quarters, and at the end of this little tunnel, there's a bear's head that like pretty much picks up the whole space. And, oh. um, and I remember there was a caption on it that said, come caving, he said. It's a lot of fun, he said. And there's a, these flashlights on this bear's head just looking right. They're within about 15 feet. I'm like, wow. No, thank- I love bears. I like seeing bears in the wild. In a confined space like that, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm all set with that too. <laughs> yeah, no thanks, no thanks. And when, I, when, I, when it, we, were, we mentioned the mascot mine, Many years ago, we had hiked up to Mascot Pond in the, the debris field that comes down from uh, where they have the sign. They talk about the, the bad habits hat where they have that yeah. gate across the entrance. Well, we had hiked up there. We went up that, um, well, yeah, all that talus that's been thrown. Right, the big and scramble just, up the rocks. It, it is, and that is a good scramble. It doesn't look, yeah. it's, you know, it's, for people who don't hike, it can be kind of difficult. But when you're starting to go up there, you're like, wow, it's, uh, this, it's, it's moving constantly as you hike up there. And then what my girl, you know, then girlfriend, now wife, we decided to do was climb up the rock face a little bit. I'm like, let's go up to those iron bars that are like sticking out of the rock. We got up there. We sat down. We're looking at the White Mountains. We look over to Berlin and we went up a little bit further. And there was there was what I'm assuming was like a like a vent that was cut into the rock, except outside this vent was plenty of bare crap. So I'm like looking at it, and now there's two steep walls on either side. I'm like, I think the bear is, because it was springtime. Mm. So I think the bear was getting up, going outside, relieving itself, and then going back in. Except now we have cliff behind us, this opening, a place where a bear is coming back and forth. Oh, we jump over this hole and keep on going. I'm like, we're out. <laughs> we're out because I know how you know I, that, I first yeah. wake up. I'm not bumping into a bear in the springtime. Nope, nope, nope. No, I, I know that spot, and there's not much place to run no there isn't and i just couldn't believe it as we were sitting there for probably about 20 minutes um and then when i turned i realized i'm like there is bear poop everywhere i'm like oh no i'm like we gotta move now <laughs> so i'm like oh this is really cool the bats live here oh so does a bear okay just, mm-hmm. no. and so 
Now, the, um, what has been the favorite mine that you've uh, seen so far? It's all different types of mines that you've, you've been able to go in and document because, honestly, I don't think anybody else is really documenting it via video the way you are. So what's been your favorite one so far? So, yeah, there's a couple. Um, one, I, I'm going to say Juhas again. Um, Juhas, and I, and I have a video about uh, the Juhas mines, but because they're so big, just the vastness of them. And I don't mean big, uh, like extensive networks, but big, just big open chambers. Uh, they, there's right. a couple chambers that'll rival or uh, anything that Rugels has uh, as far as just the size of a single chamber. Uh, that one is a lot of fun. Uh, there's one that I call the N2 mine, and that one had um, over 400 feet of tunnel. And most of it was, you know, when you think of a mine and you think somebody walking through a tunnel and it's just enough where you almost could bump your head, and that's the kind of tunnel it had. Uh, that one is a lot of fun just because we got into this and it just kept going and going. Um, those two are fun. Uh, they're all fun, but as far as favorites, and then there's another one that I haven't videoed yet, but I'm going to, I've been up to it a few times and it's, it's, it's called the rice mine and it's an area that has a a couple tunnels and a lot of activity and it has this really cool channel that was cut through the rock where it's like 40, 50 foot walls. They're, they're close enough. You could probably reach out and touch one on either side and it just goes all the way through the rock and really like this fascinating hallway type feature. Um, so that, that one's a lot of fun too. Uh, one that I really enjoy and I look forward to uh, videoing. Cool. I look forward to seeing that. Um, and I, as a, some, when some people watch your videos and I remember that, that old silver lead mine in Woodstock that I first got my attention with you, um, in the end of some of the tunnels, let's say where you see the drill bits, you've left quarters like or some change or you leave <laughs> you some things that. behind, which I thought was really neat. I'm like, you got to test to see if anybody was there, if the quarters were there. Was, have you done that in some of the mines where you leave something behind and has somebody taken it and or replaced it with something else? So I, I do that a lot. And what I do, it's, it's you know, I, I, I do a, a lot of funny idea. little things. Yep. Yeah. So they're actually uh, foreign coins. So what I, oh. I, I've, I've gone on eBay and I bought a couple boxes of foreign coins. There's nothing that's worth anything, but they're a really cool little thing that I, I, I picture somebody coming across and, and I put them in the, not just mines, but, you know, we go out exploring. I put them in the, the darndest spots and, <laughs> and I always get a kick out of thinking of somebody just stumbling on it. Now, many times um, people have found them and then because they knew about my, uh, my blog or however, they've sent me pictures saying, I found one of your coins. And it, it, I mean, that makes my day as much as anything. Um, so, but it also, as much as I do it just for getting a kick out of it, um, I, I do it and then I go back and if I see I left, you know, and I, I try and do like three of them. So I know there's three there. If I go back and I see that they're all there, it, now, it's no proof of anything, but it could be an indication that nobody's been there since I have. Mm-hmm. Um, or I go back and uh, there's one that uh, um, there's a mine that uh, you go into it and it has a chamber in one of the areas. And there's uh, I went in one time, there was one of those folding chairs like you'd sit around a campfire and it was just sitting right there in the middle. So somebody has a nice hangout spot. So I put a couple that of wouldn't the, be, That wouldn't be creepy at all just to happen upon that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's me sitting in these just having lunch. <laughs> That's okay. That's, <laughs> um, so I, I put a few coins in the cup holder 
went back the next time, the coins were gone. There's a few rocks right there. So I put a few on it. And, and this is like months and months later. So I put a few on the, on the rocks, went back the next year, those are gone. So it was like this little game for me. I keep putting them there and, and whoever keeps going in keeps taking them. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I, I do have a lot of fun with it. And, and it does kind of sometimes tell me whether or not people have been to these uh, spots. That is I've gone cool. back. Yep. I'm sorry. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I, I, I've gone back to uh, some where it's been three, four years and nothing's moved. Huh. And again, I, I just don't think a lot of people are really looking for the mines. And those who know where they are maybe just really aren't sharing it. And I, that is definitely that is a lot of a, that. Is a, definitely a cool game. That's definitely a pretty cool <laughs> game to play. Like, and I'm sure they're probably thinking the same thing. Like, why does this person put rocks in a cup holder? Why? Why is he doing this? <laughs> I, I heard from one yeah. of the um, – now, I, I had somebody write to me about a year ago, and he's part of a mineral club out in Keene. And his wife had found, they were up at one of the mines and she found this coin and it it was, you know, it was a German coin. I'd left it there. And he said for a year, they had no idea. They just could not get their heads around what it was doing out in the middle of nowhere. And and then he found me and wrote to me and we had a good laugh. My God, you know, I think that's a great idea because I thought it was kind of cool that you were leaving change out there anyway. But then, no, it's actually a unique type of coin that you're doing. Like, yeah, why is there a, why is there a German coin out here or a Danish <laughs> coin or something? That's, right. That makes it more neat. It's like that's that's more unique for your character. Like, no, I'm the one that leaves that. It's like, and, yep. and one of the mines, again, this is very close to my house that I had no idea about, zero, off of the... I want to really kind of give it away, but I'll just say it's off of the BB River, and it's very close to some falls. Yep. I do have to say, so for the listeners, you're going to have to go explore the YouTube page, and you will find it. You will find it. This looks like a fun mine to go into, but it's right next to a waterfall. Dave, how, this thing must flood when the water is high. So I've it's, never seen it flooded. Um, oh, okay. It's actually, it's, it's a little bit up from the falls. Now, there's, there's a handful of mines in New Hampshire that are um, somewhat known. Uh, this is one of them. If I had to pick maybe what are the top five that people know about, this would be one of them. Right. Uh, because it is, like you say, right next to a watering hole. Uh, it's a wonderful, it's, it has about 160 foot of, uh, feet of tunnel, um, nice, you know, tight winding tunnel. But I've never seen it flooded. Um, I do, unfortunately, go in there sometimes. I've been in there and you find beer bottles or you find some of that nonsense. And so, um, again, talk, you know, when we talk about being protective of these sites, uh, unfortunately, that's what happens. It's a small group that does it, but, uh, yeah, they don't treat them with respect always. Yeah, that is, that is too bad. I, but your video, I was looking at it in proximity to the, for some, you know, I haven't been there myself, obviously. And, uh, but I was like, this thing must flood. And that's all. I, the first thing I could think was like, God, if there was a fast meltdown or a heavy rainstorm, I don't want to be in this tunnel. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but now they're saying that it doesn't flood. I'm like, okay, because my, my question was going to be, do you think that was it seasonal when they mined um, for that particular mine? I guess it was a gold mine. I'm like, it must have been seasonal. But if you're now, as you just said, it's a, a ways a little bit from the uh, waterfall, so you don't uh, have to worry about A little bit lifted up. Um, okay. It's a little bit lifted up from the water level. So now it, it might have flooded it, it might get water in it i've been to that one probably six times and i've never seen anything that even looked remotely like it would be you know get wet inside hmm. okay okay good you've answered my question there now mm-hmm. and of course we as we were talking about it being seasonal you've visited many or you visit these mines year-round 
And now as we'll, we'll go back to that mascot mine for a, a second. One of the times that particular, sorry, that's that particular time that we were there in the spring, bear at the gate and you're looking down this tunnel as far as the daylight would let you see. And there were these ice columns, you know, from the ceiling straight down to the floor. And of course there was ice around the tunnel as well. But I mean, this, these columns of ice, clear ice, it was this wall, you know, these columns formed a line probably as far as the eye could see. Fascinating that you had all winter where it was just dripping and dripping and it built these columns of, um, of ice. And it's like, you know, you realize that a lot of these mines, they do, they're constantly dripping. There's water in there and you have these beautiful icicles. And I think my point of bringing this part up is when you go visit these mines in the wintertime and a couple of the pictures that you have of the ice, and I just wanted to, you to tell us about, you know, that sort of experience because many people, when they go exploring, they don't explore in the wintertime. So what a different world it is once you're in those mines in the wintertime. Yeah, it really is. Uh, there's, uh, you know, I mentioned all the, the, the number of mines that, I, that we found and a good many of them are flooded. Um, whether it's flooded with, you know, where you get your legs wet, you could, but you could walk through it or whether it's flooded where you don't want to go near it because it's, you know, you, you don't know where the bottom is. But we, we make a point that there's certain ones we go look for or go revisit only in the winter because they, um, they're flooded. We wait for ice over. You know, if I drive by Alton and I see they have the planes landing on the uh, Alton Bay, then okay, it's that time of year to we can go up and trust this ice. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, we we we, st we are still cautious with it, but uh, they form the most beautiful ice formations. You have the um, you know these these mines are old, and a lot of them they've developed uh, where water is just finding their way through the ceilings. You get the slow drips, and in the winter. It just, yeah, it builds up and you have these beautiful ice stalagmites uh, that are just all over the floor of the mine. And, um, and and we've seen some, like you say, they'll become columns. They'll go from the floor all the way to the ceiling or they'll, you know, we've seen some that they're taller than I am um, it, it just all, all throughout. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a whole different world. Um, I, I used to hate the winters. I hated the cold. Uh, now I, I look forward to it and I'm, I'm waiting for that cold spell that I know, okay, here's my window that I have a month or two months. I can start and go and, and visit a few of these that during the summer, you don't want to get anywhere near. Hmm. I, and that's, that's wild. That is. So what's, what's the, um, so when it, when it freezes, how what's the deepest you've gone in or like, you know, like that just sounds like an adventure all in itself that now you're on a frozen floor going into a mine. Sure. Um, I think uh, probably a couple hundred feet um, going in where like the whole thing has been flooded. And the, the one I'm thinking of in particular, I have seen an old historical picture of it. It, it has a big opening that they drive the trucks through and in and, and out of, um, it, and it's completely flooded. It's just like, you know, one of the quarries that uh, as kids we'd go jump into. And uh, I measured uh, 180 feet um, going in, that was all ice that uh, we were walking across. That's one of the bigger ones um, that I've been into. Uh, others, like uh, the, uh, the, the, the Saunders mine, uh, for one, which has um, ice at the entrance, uh, about a 20-foot stretch. It's, uh, you, you could almost uh, consider it a moat. It protects you from getting in. Can't get in during the summer, but then in the winter, you cross that ice, and now you're going into a the mine, which itself is dry. Oh, that's neat. So, so there's even less people that can explore that mine. 
unless it's you know frozen and then you walk in from there and uh, speaking of the saunders mine which i do not own or none of my family's owned it either the um you had a you had a slight mishap that you had a you had a still picture on one of your videos i was looking at the other night so and you did say you there's a story behind that we'd like to hear <laughs> sure so um you know, and a, and a mishap makes it sound like it was all accident, but I kind of got in and, and uh, knew what I was doing with this. But the, the story behind it is it's the one I was just describing that had that, that moat-like feature that, uh, at the entrance where that was the only way you can get into the mine. Um, I was up with a uh, friend of mine, and it happened to be it was like late November, not quite enough where the ice was really good. But I was um, I, I was having an operation the following week, and it was one that I, I, it was going to lay me up. I wasn't going to be able to do anything for the rest of the winter, and so I was like, I got one chance to get into this mine. I hadn't been into it yet, so I was there with my friend. It was about 20 feet to get across the ice. Um, I, I've fallen in ice before. Uh, it's it's not fun, but I said so. I I tied the rope around me. And then he stood on the end and I said, I'm going. And then if it just, you know, if it starts to crack, just pull me out. And I got about three steps in and it, it just, the whole thing just, it just like started sinking and I just went right into the water. So he's like, oh, Dave. So he starts pulling me out. And then of course I tied the rope where the knot was behind. So he's dragging me backwards. And I'm trying to flip it around. And it was just this, a whole scene, you know, completely harmless, but. Uh, yeah, I, I went for a swim that day. And, you know, completely harmless, but yet uh, you're falling through the ice. That water is flipping cold. So it it's is. like, so you're like, okay, I'm good. Now, unfortunately, I'm just soaked. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think you had it in the video. You're like, yeah, that made for a cold drive home. <laughs> oh, I tell you, I, I, I was an hour into my drive home before my feet weren't stinging anymore. That's awful. Yes. And everybody, anybody who winter hikes or anything of the sort has had an incident like that happen at least once. And, it's, and that's the thing. It's so stingingly cold. And you're like, well, all right, I'll try not to do that again. Plus, <laughs> I have to. And uh, Right. It's true. It's true. And now, you know, with that city, you know, you had your you had your friend with you. You know, you had a rope around. So just in case anything bad happened, what are the um, other safety precautions that you take as I'm sure there's plenty of people, you know, I've mentioned it to a few people about mines in the area, especially what this kind of re-sparked my interest, you know, watching your videos. And of course, the first few people that I'd mentioned this to, I wasn't telling them where the mines were, but they're like, yeah, well, don't go in those mines. They're going to collapse on you. It's like, all right, well, don't, you know, don't think positive or anything. So <laughs> what are some of the precautions and or like, what do you look for when you go into some of these mines just to make sure that you don't become, well, we know it could happen. So. Sure, sure. Um, so first of all, and, and a lot of the mines, they're not um, big extensive things. It's not like uh, the ones, you know, I, I mentioned a few that had several hundred feet of tunnel and, and yes. Um, the, the smaller ones are kind of like, you know, in a sense you could be going to um, uh, the polar caves, let's say, and you're gonna go underground a little bit and you're gonna come out, but um, you know, the worst thing is you might whack your head uh, or something like that. There are, uh, but as far as things to look out for, so there's a mine that um, I went to, I've been to a few times, and then uh, one of the uh, one of the mineral clubs, the uh, one of the guys sent me a picture, and he says, oh yeah, look at this, uh, um, there was a, a, 
a little bit of a collapse at the entrance. So I went back out there and there was a rock that was probably 10, 15 feet long and, and who knows how much it weighed that had fallen from, had broken off and fallen. Now, um, you, what are the chances that's gonna happen when you're there? You know, probably not, but then again, it's something that could happen. So, you know, if nothing else, we're, we're observant of where we're walking under. Um, sometimes you look at a spot and it's like, oh boy, that, that rock doesn't look like it, uh, you know, that could go at any moment and, and we're cautious with that stuff. Um, I'm cautious with, even if I'm uh, in, in something where, uh, it's, it's not a big tunnel or anything like that. I have, um, whether I'm wearing a hard hat or I have my baseball hat, I have a inside liner that goes in it. It's a hard plastic. And so I can, you know, I could ding my head and it's not going to hurt me. Um, we, uh, I carry, we talked about animals. Um, I do hike with, uh, bear spray, never had to use it. Luckily, hope I never do. Um, I, I carry mace, um, and then as far as anything like it, dangerous as, as, as far as exploring the mine or getting into, the one that stands out is um, one of the paddock mines. And it's, uh, most of these you can walk right into. But the, this, this particular paddock one, it, is a, um, it starts with a shaft. Pretty much goes straight down, a uh, big shaft. You could almost uh, drop a, car, a small car into it. And it goes down... Uh, Roughly, so we have, I have uh, caving ladders and I have two of them. They're 30 feet long each. They're linked together. Um, it's rated for like 1100 and something pounds. And it took both of those linked together to reach the bottom so that we could climb into it. Um, wow. So that one, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that, that's a, so in, in, in addition to the ladder, we also had a safety harness that we had separately to the ladder. So if, if anything happened or you slipped off the ladder or it did break, then we would be secured by the harness. So, um, so really most of them are pretty straightforward, but that, that paddock one is one that, uh, yeah, that took a lot of uh, caution and planning to get into that one. Wow. Yeah, that sounds, you, the way you're explaining that, it's like that's also a serious commitment. So you're not just walking in like, you know, hey, it's a, it's a hole that I'm just going to walk in like a hallway. That's, right. um, yeah, play it smart. And it's good. It's, it, it does seem like you have, you know, you do do your homework, excuse me. You, you do your homework for it and you're not doing anything that's, uh, you know, some of the mines out west, for instance, when you mentioned about when you're at the entrance and you look up and you see like what seems to be a landslide that looks like it's about to happen at any moment. So that's, Interesting. I think a lot of people wouldn't even think about that to look above the hole before you start walking in. Yeah, we, we do. We've seen it in a few spots. And you also see when you go in to these old mines and yeah, over a hundred years, rocks have fallen and they're on the, uh, the floor and you're, you're stepping over them. So we know it happens, but yeah, we're, we live in a granite state versus some of, you know, the, the uh, um, out West, like you say, where maybe they're much more prone to collapses. Oh man! Well, Dave, this has been fascinating, and I hate to say it, but we we're like we're kind of running out of time right now. But what I do want you to do for anybody who is interested in reading up in your blog and catching up on your YouTube page, uh, please YouTube channel, excuse me, uh, please uh, give the information here, and of course, I will post this with the podcast. Sure. Thanks, John. Uh, so I have, uh, like you say, I have my blog. I've been doing this for many years. Um, I blog about all things adventure related, not just uh, mines. And that is Rondononi's Adventures. 
uh, just a little blog spot thing that um, I do for fun. And then my YouTube channel um, is just under Dave Rondononi. And uh, I think there's two Dave Rondononis in America, me and my dad. So should be <laughs> should be able to find that one pretty good. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, again, I, I uh, thank you very much for taking some time to talk to us. This has been yeah. a, a great talk. And Dave, I'd love to do this again. And so as your adventures go on, we'll, we'll keep in contact and love to have you on the podcast again. Absolutely. I'd love to. I have a lot more to uh, talk about. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast with Dave Rondinone. Join us next week when we talk to, well, I don't know yet. We'll update the Pemi Valley Podcast Facebook page when we solidify our next guest. Until then, enjoy the longer days, have fun, be safe, and see you soon.